the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we are in a series all about the abundant life. And here's the deal. We spend so much time at work that if the financial incentive was removed, then what remains? Abundant life requires a vision of work that goes far beyond money. Pastor Sean has some Bible study notes ready for you to follow along with at reallife.org as the message today is called Abundant Life at Work. Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew 6 and also the book of Colossians. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. As we said, we're going to continue this series of conversations that we've been in called Abundant Life and How to Pay for It. And I don't think you can have a conversation about abundant life and how to pay for it. You know, we've been talking about the financial aspects, and I think that's a really important part because, as we've seen, nothing can suck the abundant out of abundant life faster than financial worries, concerns, fears, and all of that. But I don't think you can have this conversation without talking about work because we spend so much time at work. And I have to tell you, I have done so many different kind of odd jobs. My wife is always laughing at me because we'll drive around San Antonio, and I'll just go, oh, I used to work there. Yeah, I used to work there. And just, oh, I, I worked there for a little while. Because going through, through, through high school in Chicago area, through you know, college here and the preparation for ministry, I did a lot of different weird uh, jobs. Uh, we're building a house, and so I was doing some cleanup on the site. And my mother-in-law comes and she says, wow, you're really good at that. I said, I used to do, have a job doing construction cleanup. So I did that. I used to do roofing. Okay, and Now, understand, I was not the skilled guy. I don't know how to roof. But I can run shingles up and down a ladder, or at least I could. I could. I don't know that I can anymore. You know, we're looking at floor covering. I've sold floor covering. I know how to measure for floors and stuff like that. I did that for a little while. I worked at a mink farm. You know how, you know how disgusting a mink farm is? You don't know. I don't need to bring that kind of thing into this sacred place. I don't need to do that. I'm not here to gross you out, but I worked at a mink farm. I worked in Chicago in high school. I worked um, cleaning semi-trailers in the winter, which was fun because that's all outside and it's not like Texas there, but we use these corrosive kind of acid to clean and get the oil off these trucks. So not only were my hands locked up from cold, but they were getting eaten away by this lye and these different acids that were in these cleansers. And so I've done all different kinds of things. One of the things I did while getting ready for planting River City is I worked at a place called Colorama. Great folks. I worked for some really neat folks. I sold sports kind of, we could put your logo on anything, caps, hats, koozies, whatever. We did just different promotional type stuff. And my job was just to contact people, whether it was live or whether it was to pick up the phone and call people. I would call people and say, you know, you want us to put your logo on stuff? I didn't think so. Thank you. Bye. You know, <laughs> but what made me think about that is I have to tell you these, I worked for some really good people. I liked a lot of the people I worked with, but I was so focused on what I knew God wanted me to be doing, getting ready for ministry. I was just doing this to pay the bills. And I have to admit, I found no joy in that. 
I found no life in it. In fact, I found myself looking past what I was doing 40, 50 hours a week. And I have to tell you, that is no way to live. And some of you may have experienced that. Some of you may actually be experiencing that right now. Thinking, I know I'm supposed to be doing something else. I know I'm supposed to be doing something better. I know I'm supposed to be doing something different. And you find yourself literally looking past what you're doing with the majority of your waking hours right now. And I just have to tell you, if somebody would have sat me down and told me what we're going to discuss today, I think it would have had a huge impact on my life at that time. I was a follower of Jesus. I was getting ready for ministry. But I don't think I was living anything near abundant life. And I think I was missing some very, very important things that we're going to talk about, so far, uh, we're going to talk about today. Now, we've covered a number of different things so far. We've talked about God's heart of blessing. We said you can't understand God's heart for your finances if you don't first understand God's heart for you. And his heart is to bless us. We talked about how God wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. He wants to prosper us in our resources, in our finances. We did have to qualify, understand, right? Prosperity doesn't actually mean wealth. God wants to prosper you no matter how much or how little you have in the bank. And he can do that. And we've seen, but his heart is to bless. It's the whole point of the gospel. It's the whole point of his work among us. He loves us and his heart is to bless. And that's where it starts with. We talked about this concept of radical freedom, and the word radical is very important, because if you actually begin to walk financially free in our culture, it will be radical. You will be going against the grain of kind of the cultural flow. And we saw that, we looked at Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, and we saw that, yeah, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have radical freedom, you have to change where you put your trust. Do you actually trust him enough to live differently? We saw the tithe as a pathway to radical freedom. We saw, remember when Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be? We saw that that's a way to train our heart. Jesus was telling us specifically how to train your heart. Where you put your treasure is a way to train your heart. And the tithe is a regular, ongoing opportunity to prove God's faithfulness, his goodness, to show him that, Father, I'm yours. I understand it's all yours, that I want to walk in that covenant, and that I trust you, Lord, to bless me more with 90% than I could do on my own with 100. And you're literally training your heart to be radically free. And then, of course, last week we looked at wise financial practices. We talked about biblical financial management because we saw you can live under the blessing of the tithe, you know, but what good does it do if God opens the window of heaven and you're just flushing it all down the toilet of poor financial management? That there really are some biblical principles on how to live, how to care. And we got very practical last week. If, if you're looking for some practical help on how to live, we Go look at, go online at reallife.org or on the app and check out that teaching because there's some just wise biblical principles. We looked at that t- idea of 10, 10, 80, tie 10, save 10, live off of 80. We saw how important that idea is. Now, as I talk to people, I know a lot of people think that they'll never really be free until they no longer need to work. Okay? It's like, when I get done with this drudgery, when I can go towards retirement, they're counting the days to retirement. And, and, as I've told you before, I don't think retirement is a biblical concept. You can stop doing the job that you're doing. That's great. And if you're at that place in life, you're getting close, close to that place in life, awesome. But, you know, I told you, you know, if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. Right? You're still a servant of Jesus. You're still, he still has purpose for you. You still have gifts and abilities to contribute. You still have an assignment from him. And so the question is, okay, for those of us in these working kind of situations where we're walking and living, can we have abundant life at work? But I think it's going to be a challenge. And I think we're going to have to do some, a pretty serious surgery. In fact, I read about a surgery uh, <clears throat> that happened last month at Westchester Medical Center. It was a, a couple of twins. We, the common vernacular is Siamese twins, but they're actually called conjoined twins from the Dominican Republic. 
And doctors successfully separated these conjoined twins. Their names are Balani and Bellini Camacho. Look at these pictures of the twins. These are little girls as they were born. They, have, they were joined at the spine. They were joined at their hips. And this surgery was such a huge deal. As they went through the surgery, look at the team of physicians that had worked. There were over 50 doctors that worked through this surgery on these kids because of all the intricacies and the spinal column and the different muscles and the different organs and all that had to be done. Look at that team of physicians and what they had to do. This is an unbelievably complex surgery, but it was really successful. And so here's little girls after the surgery with their parents. These little girls have a whole different lease on life, an entirely different outlook because of that amazing work of that medical team. And we're just like, wow, those things are miraculous. And you're like, that's awesome, Sean, but why in the heck are you talking about that? Because I want to suggest that today we're going to have to perform a heart surgery that is similar in its complexity to what we see here. I think we're going to have to separate the conjoined or the Siamese twins, if you will, of work and money because they are intertwined in our heart and in our life in a way that I think they were never meant to be joined. And I think for us to really begin to have this conversation about abundant life at work, we have to separate these ideas and get them in their biblical framework. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 6, beginning at verse 26. He said this, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. This is after Jesus had fed the multitudes, and a bunch of people come looking for him. Like, oh, Jesus, we found you. We want to hear more. And he's like, yeah, you're not wanting to hear more. You want another free lunch. He's, he's like, you, you ate the loaves, and that's awesome, and that's why you're seeking me. And then he says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, John 6, 26 through 29. See, they were looking for more bread, and they were missing the really good stuff that comes to those who believe and who truly follow Jesus. Now, some of you are going to be like, well, doesn't this contradict what you said last week about the way to earn our living, the way to get money is honest, hard work? And I don't believe this contradicts at all. I think before we're done today, before you leave, I think you'll see exactly why. That we can have that biblical understanding of the almost sacramental nature of good, hard work in our profession, our vocation, our calling, and yet not have it be inappropriately interlinked with this idea of provision and work. Now, I want to talk real quickly about four damaging perspectives of work that I think hurt us and that keep us from having abundant life at work. Real quickly, we'll go through these four damaging perspectives. The first one is this, work as a pain to be avoided. Work as a pain to be avoided. And some people honestly think that way. They dread their work. They don't like their work. They try to avoid work. I, I want to I suggest that there's probably not nearly as many lazy people in the world as there are people who just don't understand work and haven't found the right work and don't know how to approach work. They, they, it's a motivation issue. Because I've seen some really lazy people. We're like, these are lazy people. Do you know how hard they work to not work? I mean, I'm like, dude, if you just put that effort into a job, Man, if you could tell that story as a sales rep for somebody, that would be awesome. I think the problem is that they see work as a pain to be avoided. In fact, the U.S. National Library of Medicine published a study called A Prospective Study of Work Perceptions and Psychosocial Factors Affecting the Report of Back Injury. Now, I'm going to just say I didn't read the whole report. I read the summary. 
But this study was conducted with 3,020 aircraft employees to identify risk factors for reporting acute back pain at work. Okay? The data included individual physical, psychosocial, workplace factors, right? During slightly more than four years of follow-up, 279 subjects reported back problems. Now, other than a history of current or recent back problems, so other than some back history, the factor found to be most predictive of subsequent reports were work perceptions and certain psychosocial responses identified on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, or the MMPI, as you probably call it. But based on their responses to this thing, here's what it says. Subjects who stated that they hardly ever enjoyed their job tasks were 2.5 times more likely to report a back injury than subjects who almost always enjoyed their job tasks. Two and a half times more likely to report a back problem just because they didn't like their work. And I think that's significant. I, I, I just want to say, God doesn't want you to hate your work. Work isn't supposed to be something that we look at to avoid. Some people think, oh, no, no, work was a part of the curse in the Bible, and it's, it's a result of sin. That is absolutely not true. Look what the Scripture actually says. This is Genesis 2.15. This is before the curse. This was before sin. The Lord God took the man to put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of it. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called The Abundant Life at Work, which is available right now on the media page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Abundant Life. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message called Abundant Life at Work. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. There was this idea of work as this partnership with Father, this idea of stewardship, this idea of creative outlet. It was something to be a blessing, and it was designed by God. It was not a result of the curse. Now, the curse affected a lot of areas of our life, including how we approach our work. But I want to suggest to say that work is part of the curse is just not true and to miss the biblical idea. So work is not supposed to be considered a pain to be avoided. A second damaging misconception is work is my provider. I think sometimes we look at work as our provider, and that is a damaging perspective. We should not see work as the provider. Work is actually the provision. Work is not my provider. It is supposed to be seen as my provision. It's a beautiful illustration. In fact, Paul Galley, one of our pastors, brought this up in staff prayer. He was sharing a devotional, and he shared something really cool that I really hadn't thought about it this way before, and I told him, okay, Paul, I'm going to take that and turn that into a real sermon, okay, for you. 
We give each other a good time like that because we're pastors. It's okay. We're licensed for that sort of thing. (laughs) But what Paul pointed out is that Egypt has kind of become a symbol of slavery in the throughout the scripture. And that's true. Everybody's seen that. Egypt is considered a symbol of slavery, of captivity. But what was interesting is that it's like, but that's not how it started. And this is the part I never really looked at and thought about. It, it, it originally, remember, Jacob and his family went to Egypt, not because of slavery. They went for provision. Egypt did not start out as slavery. It started out as God's provision. But the minute it became their security, the minute they saw Egypt as the provider, it moved from a blessing to slavery. And that's what God had to deliver them from. And this is such a huge idea because so many of us look at our work and we think it is the provider. You think your company's the provider. You think maybe wherever your paycheck comes from, you look at that as the provider. And I want to suggest to you, no, 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 that's the provision. The Father is the provider. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He later says, won't he take care of you? In other words, he's the provider. Work, income, whatever it is, it's the provision. And when we get those messed up, now all of a sudden we're on the verge of slavery. A third damaging misconception, it really relates to this last statement that the Lord says, are you not much more valuable than they? That third misconception is this, work as the measure of my worth. Work is the measure of my worth. We often think of work as the measure of our worth. The type of job we have, there's this job hierarchy. We introduce ourselves by, hi, I'm Sean, and here's what I do. And if you think that's an impressive thing, then, oh, you'll think highly of me. If you think that's some of a lowly thing, well, you know, you'll kind of pigeonhole me there. And we do this to ourselves. We kind of have this sense of my work determines my worth. And I want to suggest that is a problem. And that is a treadmill you can never get off of and can cause some real damaging results. Newsweek wrote an article in June of 1991, and it said this, saying that Rick Collette had it all doesn't quite say it all. Collette, the son of struggling French immigrants, built a small mail-order tool business called Brookstone into a hugely successful national purveyor of gadgets and toys for grown-ups. Anybody enjoyed Brookstone before? Somewhat awesome. Colette was handsome, happily married, loved by employees and colleagues, and as it turned out, deeply despondent. Last March 18th, out of the blue, it seemed he took his life. Please forgive me, but the thought of going through the torture of living is just too much to bear, he wrote to his family before locking the garage door of his New Hampshire house, climbing into his BMW and turning on the engine. His wife, Susan, later revealed that Colette had been depressed for half of his adult life. People put him on such a pedestal, she said, that he constantly feared letting them down. He swung from feeling totally powerful to totally helpless. Here's a quote. Some successful entrepreneurs have a fear that they won't be able to reproduce or sustain earlier achievements, Gerald Cranes, a psychiatrist who treated Colette, said. They're on a treadmill where they can never savor their success because they have to keep working harder. So much of who they are and their worth and their value is wrapped up in their work that they just are trying to stay afloat. See, your value is in who you are and in who your father is, according to the scripture, not in what you do. God created you uniquely and wonderfully. He is your father. He loves you. You are one of a kind. You are unbelievably valued and special in his eyes. That's 
where your worth comes from. That's where your value is found. Not in what you do or happen to be doing now, which could be different five years from now. Just because your job changes doesn't mean your value changes, but yet many of us see work as a measure of our worth. And the last thing, work as my primary focus. Work is my primary focus. If you find yourself organizing your life around your work, if everything else is negotiable but work, if church, family, relationships are all negotiable, those, they'll wait. They can, they can, well, I'll get back to those, but work cannot wait. Everything must be organized around work. If that's you, work may be an idol, and you may have a problem having work as your primary life focus. If you find yourself living for your work, that's a problem. Remember what Jesus said. Matthew 6, he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, now, I know some of you are sitting there going, well, how do I actually do that? Sean, that's easy for you. You know, you've you got the pastor gig, you work one day a week, and that's not even really a full day. Come on, let's admit it. I mean, really? <laughs> it's like... But we have real jobs. We have real stuff we have to do. Okay, that's great. Seek first the kingdom. But come on, how do I do this in the real world? I want to suggest that the scripture gives us some very powerful and practical advice that every one of us can put to work like today and tomorrow. Tomorrow when we go back to work, this advice I think can change the way you view your work and can help you walk out that passage of seek first his kingdom. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to Colossians 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 22. Paul is talking, he's writing to the church at Colossians, he's talking to a group of people who, I mean, as bad as you and I think we may have it at work sometimes, okay, um, yeah, these folks had it worse, okay, because he's going to start talking and he's going to talk to slaves, slaves. Now, he expands this beyond them and he says this to others in other places, but this is such a powerful, direct statement to people whose jobs were really, really hard and really difficult. And some people go, wait a minute, well, here, here it is. See, the Christian faith, God of the Bible endorses slavery. I want to say to you, that is just ridiculous. The Bible does not endorse slavery. In fact, when talking about the kingdom, remember what it says in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Okay, the scripture doesn't endorse slavery, but it does identify it as a social evil that is there and some people are living in. And what they're saying is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you find yourself in that condition, God has something for you too. And you can live victorious. You can live the kingdom, even if you find yourself a victim of a social injustice like this. It's a fascinating approach. He says, here's how you should approach it. And I want to say there's some powerful, powerful lessons for us on how to actually seek first the kingdom every single day at work. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. That last bit is a, is a guarantee that um, if you don't get social justice today, there will be justice. God is faithful. Anyone who does wrong, they will have to deal with that wrong. They'll have to deal with God. And that's just the truth none of us can escape. So he's saying, if you're getting caught up on the social injustice part, understand God has something for you right there, and you need to know, whoever does wrong, God is fully capable of bringing about justice. Now, 
What that brings us is to this idea, and this is what I want us to look at. Here's the main point. If you're taking notes, please write this down. Abundant life at work is found in higher purpose, not higher pay. Abundant life at work is found in higher purpose, not higher pay. We think if I make more, then it'll all be good. If I get that promotion that has more money and more stuff, then everything will be great. I'll be free. I'll be able to do it. Well, just ask somebody who makes more than you. Some of you are like, well, that's easy. That's everybody around me, I'm sure. But seriously, talk to someone who's gotten some big pay raises, gotten some big bumps, and gotten up there a little bit, and kind of, and just say, is it all kind of roses and sunshine up there? They'll be like, yeah, no, not so much. We all know the deal, I've told you, when you get pay raises, when you get more money and stuff, it's like, it's awesome for three months, and then it's just your pay again. And expenses have risen to meet that, and you're kind of in the same place, and it just feels like normal again. It's awesome for three months, but then it's just normal. You just have to understand, higher pay does not guarantee abundant life at work. I'm not saying it can't make some things easier or that can't be one way that God can meet some needs. That's great. But it does not guarantee in any way. In fact, for some people, it's like just brings more hassles, more burdens, more stuff to worry about. Abundant life at work is found in higher purpose, not higher pay. That's what Paul's trying to say to us. He's trying to say there is something God has for you if you understand that you can have a sense of real purpose every single day at work, no matter where you work. A couple things that he pointed out in that Colossians passage. Number one, life-giving work, life-giving purpose at work means getting a new boss. Life-giving purpose at work means getting a new boss. Some of you are like, see, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, not in the way you're thinking. Because what Paul is saying to slaves who can't get a new boss, he's saying, right now, determine you're working for the Lord, not for men. Today, you're working for the Lord. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Abundant Life at Work or this whole series on the abundant life, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.